Hello, my Pilates lovers. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Pilates. I'm your host, Darian Gold. Each episode, you'll get to hear a new guest share his or her knowledge, insights, and experiences. Together, we explore the ongoing evolution of the Pilates method, as well as its connection to other modalities, such as gyrotonic, yoga, podiatry, and chiropractic. I now present to you the many aspects of this beautiful, complex, and life-affirming discipline. Choosing a career as a Pilates instructor can be very rewarding. One of the most important aspects an instructor needs to develop is the ability to cue students effectively, not only using the voice, but at times cueing with the hands, called tactile cueing. There are plenty of examples of why students choose a particular teacher. It could be his or her physical and mental vitality, or continual encouragement, or a detailed eye, and even the teacher's touch. But should it be mandatory that a Pilates teacher ask permission to physically cue a student? Should a consent disclaimer be included as part of the intake form a client signs before beginning Pilates lessons? Teachers and students often develop a close bond, and though the touch can be helpful and healing, teachers must protect themselves so students don't misread any type of tactile cueing. My guest today is Jack Lanham, who is a studio owner in Seattle, Washington. Before Jack discovered Pilates in 2001, he was an athletic trainer and regularly used his hands to spot and support his clients. But the gym is a very different environment compared to the quieter Pilates studio setting. As a Pilates instructor for 17 years, Jack has an added responsibility as a male Pilates instructor with a mostly female clientele. Jack's love of Pilates began with the mat work, and he trained himself, reading every mat book available to further his self-education. But after three years of practicing on his own, he felt it was time to increase his Pilates knowledge and learned of Romana Krizanowska and her certification program. Lucky for Jack, Romana's Pilates had an affiliate in Seattle where Jack lived and he enrolled at Pilates Seattle International in 2004. Jack apprenticed an impressive 1,400 hours and then was personally certified by Romana on one of her trips to the West Coast. Meeting and learning from Romana was life-changing for Jack, and in 2009, he opened his own studio, Studio Jack's. Jack remembers something Romana said to him. Teach what I teach you no matter what, and you will do wonderfully. And Jack has done wonderfully, now with a successful studio and celebrating 10 years in business with a staff of four other Pilates instructors. Calling in from Seattle, Washington is Jack Lanham, who will speak about tactile cueing and when to and when not to. Isn't that right, Jack? That's right. How are you doing, Darian? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today on All Things Pilates. Thanks for having Jack, when you went through the certification program, do you remember any of your instructors 
talking about when it was appropriate and not appropriate to touch a client? Yes, um, they didn't really talk too much about when it was appropriate or not, but um, definitely where to put the hands and touching with intention, meaning, you know, not stroking the client or petting the client, but guiding the client in the movement. But I also felt that being a man and working with a lot of ladies, I feel like I do need to ask before I jump in there and let them feel comfortable saying yes or no. They were pretty tactile when I went in and sometimes a little more tactile than I would, I would be. I mean, I've been goosed a few times, you know, I don't think <laughs> I would be comfortable goosing any of my clients. Do you talk about this aspect with your staff? Sometimes we just have kind of uh, impromptu conversations about it. My staff is pretty well seasoned, you know, so they, they really know what they're doing. They're very good at it. But I think I'm the one in the, in the studio that is the most careful being the guy in the studio that's I do have a lot of female clients, and sometimes I end up with the female clients in the studio, you know, just us two. So I definitely am sensitive to that. Didn't you say something about keeping the door open? When... Yes, I'm in an office building, so I can keep the front door open, and the front door is visible from all over the studio. So just to add that little, I guess, little safety or something there, too. So somebody can pop their head in, it's walking down the hall or whatever. It doesn't feel so isolated. Do you have anything on your intake form that says something about we're going to lay our hands on you? Are you okay with that? You know, I don't, and I probably should do that. Um, I have read, however, though, that if something was to come up, a person can always change their mind a year later after they sign the intake form, too. So I do check in with them every day if I have to jump in there and, and grab them. Like if I'm doing the push-through, I say, hey, do you want a little lift up? I could wait for the yes or no, and then get, go in there. Um, usually, I, I haven't really heard a no, but just to be on the safe side. Do you hear your other teachers while they're teaching say, may I put my hands on you, or may I spot you? Uh, when they have a new client, yes. It's really, it, we're very fortunate. We have a really good retention rate. Everybody is pretty comfortable with each other, the teachers and the clients. But when we have a new client, yes, we are pretty, we do explain that to them. When you first opened your studio in 2009, I'm assuming most of your clients were women? Yep, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And then at and, what point did men start to, or did they? Oh, yes. I've got, I've got a pretty good uh, male population that comes in, too. And I think that's kind of that's cool. Being a, a guy teacher, it's kind of an invitation for men to check it out a little bit more. But yes, most of my clients were women. And when I first opened, I was all by myself. So I was definitely, you know, the 6 a.m. morning client the building's empty, so I had to be really, really careful, I felt. Does that mean that you teach your female clients differently than your male clients? I don't know if it's necessarily gender. It's more personality and the, per the people that are coming in. Maybe the men I'm a little more gruff with just because guy energy, but generally speaking, it goes with, I think, more or less personality than gender. Has there ever been a time when you were working with a female client and the vibe was not healthy and you asked her to go? No, but there was a client that she was a professional uh, competition pole dancer. And uh, <laughs> one day she just walked right in the studio in her underwear. And I was kind of shocked and I'm kind of a, I guess, a shy kind of person. So I didn't really say anything. But in, in retrospect, I think uh, <laughs> for the future, I will definitely suggests that a little more modest clothing. 
definitely learned on that, uh, you know, where, where to stand and where not to stand, because I think it was Romana that said, see everything, look at nothing. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember her saying that. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty wise words. <laughs> now, does this mean that the pole dancer had bra and panties and she worked out a full yes. hour? <laughs> yes, and that was... Uh, Interesting. I remember the client coming in after her going, what was that? <laughs> Um, yeah, I probably should have stepped in and said, hey, uh, <laughs> go a little more modest. But um, I think I was kind of a little bit in shock myself. Do you have advice for male instructors when teaching female clients? Yes, that would be definitely ask before you go in there and touch. And when you do touch, make sure it is with intention that it is going to guide the exercise and keep your palms open if you can. Don't grab, but be firm guiding your client in the direction you want them to go. When you say don't grab, what do you mean by that? For instance, say the single leg bicycle stretch on the Cadillac. When you know, you're know you stretching the leg through the different motions, um, a lot of times I have my hand, my palm on the hip, on the side of the hip, but I don't put my fingers around the hip. I mean, sometimes grabbing an arm to rotate it or something like that, yes, of course. But if it's directing, I try not to grab. The fingers stay together? Um, Yes, the fingers stay together. I just remember Jay Grimes talking about Clara Pilates, and she would use her index finger and... And poke. (laughs) Yes, she did a lot of poking. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, it depends where I'm poking, like poking the middle back or something like that, or the lat to get it to fire, yeah. (laughs) But I don't poke bottoms too much. Maybe the side of the hip, the client's comfortable with that, but that's about it. How do you main, maintain your studio as a safe space? Well, I'm very fortunate to have like two walls that are floor-to-ceiling windows, a glass front door that's, that's open. And usually the building I'm in is pretty busy. There's a lot of traffic in the hallway. It's not noisy, but the clients definitely feel like there's other people around so they don't feel so isolated. Can you address the differences between where you stand physically Mm-hmm. in relation to a female client versus a male client? I pretty much stand in the, the same places like pelvic lift. I usually stand in the back of the reformer for just for pretty much everybody, just to just, it pretty much just develop that habit of positioning myself in a, where I see what I need to see and don't see what I don't need to see. Do you have that quote on your wall? Because that's a fantastic quote. It would tell people right away what the intention um, was. No, I don't. That would be a good idea, huh? Maybe put that in the in the waiver. Yeah, so when a new teacher does come in and wants to teach at your studio, and let's say it's a male, do you have them test on a female teacher so she can give you feedback in terms of where his hands are? Um, you know, I haven't ran, run across that yet. The male teacher I have, he was actually a teacher that taught my business partner when she was an apprentice. So she was already pretty familiar with him. And he's, you know, he's got great hands. He goes in when he needs to and stays away when he doesn't need to. That would be a good idea. Uh, You know, again, there's not too many male teachers here. So I definitely have them in the job interview, definitely have them give one of us a workout. You're saying that there aren't a lot of male Pilates instructors at all? In Seattle. Or no, just in Seattle. I think there's probably maybe 10 that I know of. Are you talking classical and contemporary? I'm just talking classical, yeah. I, <laughs> not too, I, I haven't really ventured out into the contemporary world. 
if you need another teacher, what's the pipeline? How do you get to other potential male instructors that might be out there? Well, it's pretty much word of mouth. You know, I'm always looking for a teacher. I'm really fortunate. I, I'm in a, in a city with, oh, gosh, four really good, um, five really good classical studios. It's pretty slim pickings for getting uh, teachers in, but at the same time, it's good for the people in Seattle. There's a lot of good Pilates here. That means that you, all of you are competition for each other, or is it, <laughs> is it friendly competition? Yeah, it's friendly competition. At least I hope it is. I think it is. <laughs> well, what are the yeah. main qualities that you do look for in a, a potential teacher? I want a teacher to be very positive and empathetic. Um, and that's the neat thing. I mean, with Pilates, most of us are, we are in the caring profession and we're generally caring people. So that's pretty easy. Also, just the willingness to learn and being open. Pilates is, it's a journey. It's not a, it's not a goal. You just keep going and going and going and studying and studying and studying and learning. So I really look for teachers that are hungry for knowledge. You know, I would even take a teacher that was brand new and a little bit green that was really hungry to learn and enthusiastic and passionate about the work. Do you offer workshops? We did for a little bit. Again, there's three really good teacher training centers that have just outstanding workshops. And so I haven't really jumped into that yet. Probably it would be, it's, it's definitely an interest of mine. You know, Atlas Pilates, Pilates Seattle International and Metropolitan Pilates, they host really brilliant workshops with some really great teachers. Let me ask you something about a client. We talked about this before, not on air. The emotional component to stretching someone out, for example, on the Cadillac. Yes. What do you do if somebody that you're stretching, man or woman actually, mm -hmm. gets a little emotional because something is being released? Maybe this person didn't know that they needed it, a certain muscle group to be released. Well, how yeah. do you handle that? Well, that has happened twice. Once, the first time it happened, thank goodness it was a duet and the lady was with a friend. We were doing legs over the barrel and trying to get the, the hip flexors to loosen up a little bit. And she just broke down in tears. First, I made sure she was safe and stopped what I was doing and got her legs down over the barrel and let her lie down and just checked in with her, made sure she was not injured. And then I just kind of gave her space and let her know I was there and it was, you know, that she's safe. And it was really great. Her friend was there. That was very comforting for her. And then the second time that happened, it was another Pilates instructor and she kind of knew that was there. And so she understood it. We talked it out. But I guess generally overall, it's just making sure that the person feels safe. Letting out your emotions is acceptable you know, at Studio Jacks. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, it's mind body. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> things will come up. You know, I've, I've, I, and after that happened, I actually read some studies where the psoas muscle is kind of tied to the fight, flight, or freeze response. So that can lock onto a lot of trauma if there was some from an injury to whatever. So I am a little bit more aware of that. And just, and that just general, in general in the studio, we really do try to make sure that the client does feel safe, wants to be here, and we're glad they're here, and we're going to take good care of them. Have you ever thought of doing a workshop about the SOAS? No. <laughs> Maybe that should be my first workshop. <laughs> because you could talk about that we do store a lot of our unfinished business in the we do. hip flexor area. 
Well, and actually all over the body. I just started rolfing. I used to play football and the side of my rib cage is all locked up and she was releasing that. It was pretty interesting. I mean, the, the release of all that tension, but it, I could, this sounds really hokey, but I actually smelled the leather of the football when that was happening. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So it's just, it, it's very fascinating that, that how the body does hold on to emotion. And Can you explain rolfing a little bit? It's basically um, just kind of separating the fascia and, you know, you get scar tissue and I believe that's the calcium and the fascia all bonding together to you know, kind of protect the injury and the rolfer gets in there and just kind of pulls it apart. And so that also increases some flexibility because you can sit there and stretch the muscle fibers, but if you can't get the fascia moving, it's kind of like putting a tight sweater on a loose t-shirt. Has it impacted your own Pilates training? Yes. Um, I can get my left arm up over my head better than I used to. <laughs> so it's been fantastic. A little bit more access and strength in the body. I felt like I was kind of restricted just by being kind of balled up in some of my range of motion. It's been fascinating, yeah. Do you have other sports-minded people or athletes come to you with similar issues? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Sometimes I get a Seahawk or a Seattle Storm player in here or a Mariner player or a Sounders player in here, yeah. Do they have some of the same issues, perhaps more pronounced? Well, with the Pilates, like I said, the, the, the psoas thing only happened twice out of, a lot, out of many years of teaching. So I haven't really noticed that, but I'm sure they probably would, just being we're all made of the same stuff pretty much. Let me ask um, you something a little delicate. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been attracted to a client? If so, how did you deal with it? Because, you know, just like you're saying, we're all human and things happen. It's kind of weird. Um, ever since the personal training days, I've just, when I walk in the door, I sh kind of shut that off. But yes, I mean, I do have, I mean, generally people that do Pilates are pretty attractive people. And so that's kind of turned off and I've been pretty fortunate I haven't run across that issue yet. And then what happens if a client gives you that kind of attention? What, how do you handle that? That hasn't happened yet. At least, or if it has, I'm kind of dense to it. Because <laughs> like I said, I, I got that kind of turned off. So Maybe so it's I, better that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I haven't noticed. If it has, yeah, it's gone over my head. Basically, when we speak about touching and tactile cueing, you are all for it as long as the hands stay flat and that the fingers aren't sort of separated and doing what Clara Pilates did? I don't know if I'm that big of a stickler to everybody, but um, just basically, mo most important is just make sure you respect your client. And that's the most important. So whatever, you know, whatever that, if you respect your client, you know, you're going to do the right thing, probably. You were talking about stomach massage series. <laughs> In yeah. particular, can you talk about that for a moment? <laughs> yes, generally I stand in front of the reformer during stomach massage because I think we've all lost our pants on that one. <laughs> so stomach massage, you encourage your teachers to stay in front, but then bottom lift or pelvic lift, you encourage your teachers to stand behind. Well, I don't really tell them what to do. Their clients are pretty, like I said, their clients are pretty happy with them. I haven't heard any complaints in the years I've had them. For me, though, I, I definitely stay towards the front on stomach massage and the back during pelvic lift. 
just to let the client feel like, okay, I'm safe. Are there any other exercises on the Wanda chair or maybe even the pedipole? You have a fully equipped studio, right? Yes, I just don't have a guillotine, that's all. I know many of us don't have a guillotine. I've moved so many studio spaces, it's going to be kind of hard to keep adjusting the height. You are hands-on in terms of safety, because oh, Romana very was so. very, very much, much so. about safety. Yes. And then you know through just nonverbal as well as verbal back and forth with your client when he or she is ready for you to step away. I'm thinking of the, ped- yes. the pedipole, for example, on one yes. leg. Yeah, I'm usually pretty close, staying by a hand that's out to the side. You know, if you're doing the one leg, front splits, side splits, all that stuff, I'm pretty close. They fall, they know they can fall on me. I'll catch them. But I do try to stay out of their way a little bit. They know I'm there, but I'm not in their way. Let me ask you about the future of classical Pilates. And I think I've asked this to a number of second-generation instructors (laughs) in particular. Do you see it evolving or do you see it staying in its original form? Gosh, uh, that's a really great question. I really hope it stays in its original form. The work was so rich, and it's been kind of interesting. Um, you know, a lot of the teachers in Romanus Pilates, anyway, have kind of branched out on their own a little bit. And, you know, you see exercises that, you know, I wasn't taught necessarily in the apprentice program, but you can tell that okay, this falls suit with what I've learned. I could see this exercise somewhere else. Gosh, nothing comes to mind right now off the top of my head, but I don't think we'll get too crazy with it. It's, you know, the basic principles, they just work. I think it was Jay Grimes that said you wouldn't change Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Why change Joe's work? Okay, and you feel confident that the original approach and the original repertoire will continue for the foreseeable future? Yes. One of the things that I know is that I believe there's not a lot of documentation of Joe's work. I mean, I think the notes have been scattered around and whatnot. So it's very interesting to go to continuing education. And some of the teachers are like, hey, do you remember an exercise from back then? And, and, you know, sometimes have those like, oh, yeah, we haven't done this exercise in forever. And here it is. That's been I think that's one of the, you know, very important that we all go to continuing education least once a year to meet each other and bounce ideas off of each other. Agreed. Um, yeah. With that in mind, I think the work will stay true to itself. And the contemporary Pilates world, it's, it's kind of neat to see what they're doing, taking it out, I guess. Like I said, though, I haven't really gone out there, so I'm not much of an authority on that. But um, what I have noticed is um, I think Jay was the first one I heard doing like bridge programs, taking the different Pilates schools and saying, well, this is what I learned from Joe. And I think people have shown great interest in that. I know there's some going on in some of the contemporary studios around here, too. Embracing the classical. Embracing the classical and just kind of getting back to the roots of it all. If anyone wants to have a lesson with you, if they're visiting Seattle or they live in Seattle and they don't necessarily know of you until right now, how, Uh how best can they contact you? Oh, they could call me at 206-730-7768 or just email me at studiojacks.com. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you. It's great talking to you again. Absolutely. I hope to actually be in your studio at some point. That would be fun. Oh, that would be great. (laughs) 
stuff. Okay, <laughs> I look forward to it. All right, take care, Jack. All right, bye, Darren. Okay, bye. All right, one thing I do want to just remind you about is the breathing. I keep reading more about the breath. Take some time just to breathe. Breathe fully. Full breath in and then as slowly as possible, full breath out. Soften your face, your eyes, and your jaw. See if you can just let go for this week. And then, as you know, I want you to lift your head, lift your spine, because they will lift your spirit. Have a great week, everybody. 